This is View the Valley's podcast, season two, episode seven, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been? Fantastic. You know, high school boys basketball starting in Illinois this week. Uh, it's a little bit of Illinois football playoff action. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting time. And the weather's great, although it well, feels like it's already middle of the afternoon since we just changed time today, since we're doing this on a Sunday morning. I tell you what, I needed that extra hour of sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> it felt great. Uh, yeah, weather's supposed to be good tomorrow. I think it's supposed to be in the 70s. And what better time? College basketball tips off in two days. Mm-hmm. I mean, full slate of games across the Missouri Valley, Ohio Valley, and, you know, just the NCAA in general. Um, I know you're excited. I'm excited. And we're going to get into a lot of that during this episode. Uh, also during this episode, uh, Lucas O'Rear, former Northern Iowa Panther, is going to join the show. We caught up with him, you know, this week. So we'll bring you that interview, you know, probably the middle of the podcast and, uh, you know, get you caught up on what he's been up to and talk a little bit about his playing career, you know, with the Panthers. So, TJ, we'll get into it here. And a lot of games November 9th. Yeah. You know, every team in the Missouri Valley is in action. So that's, I mean, it, I love that. I love starting it off. Hey, that's the day you can play. You get playing. And, you know, I think some big contests on the – we're not going to run down all of them. I don't want to feel like we're just running down a list. <laughs> but I think some big ones that I'm looking forward to is Evansville at Cincinnati. Yeah. Of course, you always think about, you know, when they knocked down Kentucky a couple of years ago. And uh, Valparaiso going against Toledo after Valparaiso lost both of their uh, – preseason games you know their exhibition games as we'll call them and toledo had a good season last yeah, year i think 120 games you know they uh really impressive and ben Cricky got injured in their first game uh for, of, for valparaiso so is he going to be back this week you know because he sat out the second game and then the big news out of uh tara Haute is tyreek key is injured so big. Uh, i haven't seen if, what the results of his doctor visit were but i think that's a guy that's got to think do I want to sit for another year and play next year, or is it time to to try and go earn some money? You know, there's a limited window. You know, I've had this discussion with some other people. Like, I think if it's my kid, I'm like, you know what? You got your degree. It's time to move on because you know you can't play. You start playing when you're 26. That's not going to be a very long career. <laughs> so you don't want him to have that same kind of career style that that college football player having as a sixth, seventh year uh, senior. Or- yeah. But I think the difference is here that he'll have the opportunity to go play professionally. You know, it's, it's different than being a loan officer at a bank, which great, you know, a great career for you. But at the same time, you need to, you know, it's a little bit different. So in the Missouri Valley here, uh, outside of those games, you know, what we call those buy games. Is there any buy games you're looking forward to, you know, coming up for the Missouri Valley? I'm not sure if it's a buy game, but Indiana State going to Purdue on Friday. I think that'd be one that Purdue's picked up a couple state schools to play this early in the season. And so that's definitely one I, I would look forward to. What about on the Ohio Valley side? What games are you looking forward to this week? So November 9th, first day of college hoops this season, uh, there's a lot of buy games for the OVC. You got Tennessee Tech at Memphis. So, you know, I mean, obviously Tennessee Tech's not going to be picked to win that game. You know, Memphis is highly ranked you know penny hardaway's got a great team mm-hmm. this year so i'm sure the spread's gonna be pretty uh pretty inflated out there but nonetheless it's a game that tennessee tech's gonna be able to get some money for their program and basically you know 
they'll still be on ESPN Plus. So, you know, basically a lot of people still going to be able to watch it across mm-hmm. the ESPN networks. So a way to get their name out there. And and you like seeing these in-state, you know, buy games, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, I, I loved, you know, when I was growing up when SEMA would play like Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tennessee Tech playing at Memphis, you know, be big for – you know, the Tennessee Tech program and especially the players you get to go play in a big, big time atmosphere, you know, for a program that's trying to be on the rise here. Uh, same thing with UT Martin in state by game at Tennessee. You know, that game's going to be televised on SEC Network. So a great, a great first game for Coach Ritter to get his program on you know national television here with the SEC Network in a yeah, game a point. in a game where no one really knows what to expect from UT Martin. So, obviously, Tennessee's going to be picked to win, but how well UT Martin plays and how close the game is, mm-hmm. no one knows because it's a team that has all newcomers. Right. So, yeah, UT Martin's picked in the cellar of the OVC this year. This is a game where, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, what is UT Martin capable of doing? Well, you know, how good can they be? And going up against a, a Power 5 team to start the season – yeah, you might not be able to see everything there, but it's going to be a, a big test and a kind of a good starting point to see, you know, for Coach Ritter, hey, what are the Skyhawks capable of? You know, what is our identity going to be? And then SIUE, they go to Marquette. So that – and SIUE just lost, you know, in their exhibition. I think they – what, they played Quincy? Yep, D2 Quincy. And, you know, you think these exhibitions, you know, you know, if you're a reporter and you see it out there, you're like, okay, this is a game they, they should have won. And yeah, it's exhibition. Yeah, it doesn't count, but it never looks great. But at the same time, you don't know what was actually happening in that game. Right. You know, did they take they take their starters out real early and they wanted to see what the bench was capable of? Were they running different sets, different plays mm-hmm. just to try and get, you know, accustomed to for the Marquette game and actually the season? So We'll see how that goes for SIUE. Good money there for them. Uh, Moorhead State goes to Auburn, another bye game. You know, Auburn's ranked, uh, but this is a game for Moorhead State. You know, just made to the NCAA tournament, played West Virginia in the NCAA tournament. And I think uh, Coach Spradlin, he's he's really expecting Moorhead State to come out, be competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are we able to do this year? And Moorhead State's going to be, you know, jarring for the top of the OVC again this year. You know, uh, Jenai Broom, one of the uh, co-OVC players of the year. So I'm looking forward to that game, seeing how well Moorhead State's able to keep it close against Auburn. And I'm hoping that, you know, it's a game the whole whole way through. Do you think that Eastern Illinois-Northwestern game is a bye game as well? I don't think it's as big as some of these other ones, but I I guarantee Eastern Illinois is still getting a, a solid, solid check. Um, obviously the travel's not as big as it would mm-hmm. be for some of these other ones, uh, especially like Moorhead going to Auburn. But nonetheless, they're getting a little bit bigger of a paycheck than, you know, SEMA would be, you know, going to Missouri State. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's the bye games for, for November 9th. And then the game I won't really want to get into here in a little bit. Uh, we'll get to that here shortly. Yeah, I don't know if my wife will let me have nine TVs set up. 10 TVs set up to watch every game on Tuesday night. Uh, well, just just have eight. Just have eight. Yeah. I'll have to go make a run to Best Buy. Yep. Maybe Sam's will give me a, a bundle discount. Like you, you get four or five TVs for a deal. 
hey, and then once Wednesday comes, yeah, one of these TVs really, like, can I return it? Oh, you're one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've actually, I've never done that, but uh, I guarantee there's people out there that. Oh, for sure. How, how, oh, how I, I need TV, 10 TVs this day. I wonder how many TVs are returned to the day after the Super Bowl. Oh, no kidding. I don't know. Probably the same people that get a cup for quote unquote water at Taco Bell. <laughs> that that looks like uh that looks like that's Baja Blast. No, no, it's water. Oh, we were in Las Vegas uh two years ago and they would never allow you to bring like an open container into like the swimming pool area. Mm-hmm. Which is so dumb. Yeah. Because they want you to pay these this forty dollars for everything in for, Vegas. For, it's it's dumb. I know they make money off it, but it's dumb. They make enough money off me losing it in the slots or whatever. But so we're trying to get into the pool. There's three of us. My one buddy. Yeah, he's he's got an alcoholic beverage in this thermos. Well, just walks on through. Doesn't even the guy doesn't even flinch. He just assumes it's water. Okay, so the other two, I'm like, oh, I guess he ain't check, checking. We walk through with a can in our hand. Yeah, you can't have that in here. I'm like, oh. Okay, well, so we, we go and finish it, throw it away, then we walk in. Yeah, 30 something dollars for a drink. Okay, so the next day, we go out there. We tried to outsmart him. So we, I think at the time, it was like a, it was like a seltzer or something. So it kind of looked like water. Mm-hmm. Dumped it in a cup and... Again, our buddy walks in there with a thermos, doesn't say anything. Well, we didn't have thermoses or Yetis, whatever. So we walk in, and the guy said, what do you got there? I'm like, oh, that's water. He goes, no, it's not. I see the bubbles in the cup. I'm like, couldn't catch a break. And he did it three times in a row in this Yeti, and guy never once asked what was in it. We try and walk in with, oh, it was dumb. Well, I mean, if you saw the guy walking in with a Yeti without getting interrupted, why didn't you just go get yourself a Yeti? Because I had a Yeti back at back here at the house. I didn't want to spend money on another Yeti. How that, much would a Yeti have cost you? Pr- probably not a whole lot, but probably, I didn't know where not, I could buy it there. Probably not the $90 that you were spending when you <laughs> went to the pool to drink. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> but it was just the fact that I had to go out of my way to try and find a Yeti. Yeah. And I wasn't doing it. <laughs> but with that, uh, TJ, we'll go ahead and bring... Uh, bring in Lucas Arrear when we caught up with him uh, earlier in the week. And we are joined by two-time Missouri Valley Conference Sixth Man of the Year, Northern Iowa Panther, Lucas Arrear. Lucas, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing really well here. Uh, enjoying the nice weather. High school basketball starts in Illinois this week, so uh, we're, we're really excited. Oh, yeah. Good, good uh, fun times. You got football into football you got some playoffs going and and basketball starting up so uh, a lot of stuff going on so we'll get right into it here lucas uh, take us back to how it all started for young lucas arrear what were you interested in growing up and how did it eventually lead to a college basketball playing career oh um it all started probably if we're gonna go with the basketball route um probably whenever i was in kindergarten or first grade I remember doing a, uh, my mom would drive me and my cousin Michael over to uh, Centralia uh, every morning on Saturdays, and we'd have a little, uh, uh, there's a little league there. I mean, you know, eight-foot rims and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of whenever it all started there. Um, 
and then after that, obviously, with my older brother being around, just always having competition, you know, out in the uh, the driveway or, you know, anywhere. And just being outdoors, being active, um, you know, it, it one thing led to another and um, started playing some AAU basketball later on in uh, grade school and then in, uh, in high school. And uh, um, I kind of figured that uh, if... If I didn't want my dad to pay for college or have to pay for college, I got to get kind of a athletic scholarship, and I was uh, fortunate enough to get that. So, what eventually led you to to choose Northern Iowa? I think Ben Jacobson was there in his second year. Uh, I grew up in in Nashville, Illinois, one of the storied programs in Southern Illinois basketball, uh, an hour from SIU Carbondale. So, what led to what was it about Northern Iowa that attracted you? Um. I want to say Northern Iowa, um, <laughs> they were either number one or, or Blackburn College was number one, but one of them started <laughs> recruiting me pretty early, uh-huh. and uh, um, I kind of just fell in love with uh, Northern Iowa because uh, I wanted to be a teacher, and they have a really good <laughs> teaching program up there, and, and there was just a little bit of background with um, Ron Smith was one of the assistant coaches at Northern Iowa whenever they first started recruiting me, and he has a lot of connections down in Southern Illinois. And he actually coached my dad whenever my dad was in high school. So there's a little connection there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, whenever I went up there for a visit, um, I like that it wasn't a real big campus. Um, you didn't have 20,000 people, 30,000 people there. You had, I don't know, around 10,000 people. And it wasn't in a huge town. Um, so it it was more of my feel because you had campus, then you had the, the UNI Dome, and then you got the McLeod Center. Right. And then you go a half a mile. At this point, if you went a half a mile west, you're on gravel roads and you're out in the country. <laughs> so it was it was right up my alley and uh, really enjoyed the feel and everything up there in the uh, Cedar Valley. So your freshman season, the Panthers went 9-9 nine and nine in league play. What was the difference for the team in your sophomore and junior seasons? Um, I would say a lot of that is just getting experience. Well, for me, um, it was more experience just in those uh, games. I know just, you know, my freshman year, I was fortunate enough to play in, I think, all but one. And uh, it's it's just a totally different speed of the game going from high school to college. And, uh, uh, I would say as a team, just getting more experience and kind of identifying what each and every one of our roles were. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be a scorer. I knew I was going to have to do the dirty work, which was fine because in order to do that, or if I did that, I got playing time. So it was kind of reward. Um, and, you know, like Adam Cook, he really started to develop. He was a good player freshman year, but his sophomore year, junior year, senior year, he really, really improved and uh, was a heck of a player. And then Jordan Eggleseer, the seven-footer, um, you know, he uh, got in better shape, uh, really worked. Um, you know, so all around, the guards uh, improved. And we had Johnny Moran coming in as a freshman, starting as a freshman, in my sophomore year so it's just the cohesiveness of the team and picking up some parts like Ali and stuff like that it really really changed the dynamic of the team and uh we really started clicking and 
um, you know, it wasn't just during basketball that we hung out. It was uh, outside of basketball. We have we'd have cookouts and stuff, which I kind of <laughs> I started. I said, let's get everybody together. Let's let's grill some stuff up and just kind of get to know each other um, outside of basketball instead of just hey, we're here for three four hours together a day. Let's you know let's see what we're actually all about and you know get uh, get that deeper connection. So you win conference six man of the year two times. As a player who had so much success in, in your earlier career in, in terms of high school and stuff like that, how did you adapt to become such a, a vital player off the bench? I mean, I don't. I feel like some people don't grasp it. Everybody on that team was probably the best player on their high school team, and now you're asked to take on a, a different role than you're accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as soon as you go into the, you know. Division one basketball, you're usually the best person on your team coming out of high school, unless you get to those, you know, bigger schools or whatever right. over in the New York area or Chicago or any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, the uh, I kind of figured out early on I wasn't the most athletic or the tallest or any of that stuff, so I had to do some 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 things different in order to see the the court, and if that meant you know diving on the floor setting screens, rebounding, doing the stuff that, you know, it's not flashy. You don't see it in the in the, uh, the stat columns. I had to do something that was going to set me apart from um, other players just just so I could see the, the, the playing court. And, um, yeah, I kind of embraced that role, and uh, um, that's how I eventually ended up, you know, getting playing time, just doing it that, doing it that way. So your junior year, the team starts out 16-1 and on the way to a regular season and conference tournament title. Uh, before the NCAA tournament run, what stands out about that season to you? Oh, so there was a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, there was several games. I remember playing down at uh, Missouri State. Um, we were down. Um I don't know, five, six points with under a minute or right at a minute. And uh, somehow we, you know, we didn't panic, stayed with it and got a couple turnovers and ended up somehow squeaking out a win on the road, which any any win on the road in the Valley or, you know, any conference is, is hard to do. I mean, it's, you know, when you're expected to win, you go in these, you know, hostile environments, it's, it's different. Um but uh, games like that that were close, and we and we still came out with the the win. Really, kind of you know, in the Missouri State was just one of them, and a lot of close games that we had. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the year before, whenever we had a lot of close games, and we might have been you know fifty fifty on whether or not we won or lost. And being put through those. The previous year, I think, helped us for my junior year. Whenever we started off sixteen and one and stuff like that, um, yeah, I think just experience and uh, you know putting in all the hard work in the off season and um, you know having a couple lucky bounces here and there doesn't doesn't hurt. But uh, no, it uh, it was it was neat starting off that way, and uh, you know the rest of the uh, rest of the season's history. So in that season, the second round, 2010 NCAA tournament, you guys are up 63-62 against Kansas, who's the number one seed in the tournament. They're pressing. 
36 seconds are remaining, and the press gets broken, and Ali Farokamesh nails a three-pointer with what seemingly nobody underneath the basket. So what's going through your mind as he pulls up for that shot? <laughs> so, um, you know, I've talked to Coach Jake and stuff like that about this. <clears throat> as soon as we broke the press, I'm like, all right, I think there was – I don't know. It was under 10 seconds as far as the shot clock differential. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, hey, take some time off the clock. They're going to foul us, make a couple free throws, you know, extend the game maybe a little bit longer. But as soon as he pulled up to shoot that, right away I'm like, no, like don't shoot that, you know. (laughs) But uh, as soon as it went in, it's like, wow, that, you know, that just happened. That put us up four. And uh, it was one of those, like, I don't know if that's a good shot, but all of a sudden it went in, so it's a great shot <laughs> um, type things. But, uh, you know, playing with Ali, it it wasn't a, uh, a surprise, but it, it kind of was for me at that point because I, I don't know if that's, you know, that would give us the possession. Say if we missed that shot, mm-hmm. they get the ball, they come down and score. That gives us the possession you know, if we're down at that right. point. So, I mean, it's kind of a heads up and everything happens so fast. You look at it now, it's like, well, maybe that's not a bad shot. You know, if he misses it, it might've been two on one at that point, but you know, it was, uh, whenever he shot it, I was thinking, Oh no. But, uh, you know, looking back at it now, it's, uh, you know, it wasn't a bad shot, obviously because it went in. <laughs> well, then if I remember correctly, you transitioned back the other way and Adam cook takes a charge underneath the basket, doesn't he? Yeah, Jake, his younger brother took a charge, okay. and uh, that was that was huge because that turned that you know that could have been a possibility of an and one, right. you know. But he took the charge. Um, you know, we got the ball back. You know, up four, and uh, yeah, that that was almost just as big of a play as the three pointer. You know, the possession before that. So switching routes here for a minute, you were selected in the 13th round of the 2010 draft by the Cincinnati Reds. What made you decide to pursue a pitching career in the middle of a college basketball career? So um, part of the uh, um, recruiting uh, out of high school was I was wanting to go to a school that I could have the opportunity to play both. Uh, basketball and baseball and Northern Iowa. Um, whenever I went on a visit, I went and actually met with uh, coach Heller and, uh, the baseball program. Um, and, uh, we were actually trying to get a two for one. We were trying to get Calvin to come up there too, but, uh, I think Calvin just got out of a uh, shoulder surgery and they already had that position already filled, uh, on the ball team. But, uh, no, I, I wanted to pick a college that I could do both. And honestly, after my it would have been my freshman year, I didn't play just because the you know trying to get the, a grasp on um, college sports and the dedication that you need and the amount of time that it kind of takes up. Um, you know, it was a little overwhelming, so I'm like, let's just not play baseball this year. Sophomore year came around. Um, Coach Heller approached me and said, "Hey, are you interested in playing?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, all right, well, we'll make a roster spot for you. I'm like, all right. So after uh, halfway through or after the basketball season was done my sophomore year, I ended up pitching a half a season with the with the team. And then that was the same year that they cut the program. So my junior year, uh, I didn't even play baseball uh, for for the Panthers or whatever. But luckily was uh, able to get drafted. I had a couple 
I threw for a couple scouts and stuff like that and was uh, lucky enough to get drafted. So what comparisons do you think you could make between playing minor league baseball and college basketball? Um, I would say it's definitely uh, – it's a grind. Uh-huh. I mean, baseball probably takes up um, – well, I can't say that either because basketball season is pretty long too. <laughs> um, it uh, – it's it's pretty much year round with any sport too. I mean, you, you look at football; they always have spring games now and and stuff like that. Um, but the comparisons I would say is you if you want to set yourself apart from other players or to get better, you got to put it in in the off season, and you got to work extra on the side. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that say you gotta you have mandatory practice for three or four hours. You know, they do that; they go there for three or four hours and they're done. Um, but it's the guys that go in there and, you know, for an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour doing stuff like that. It's, it's, that's what probably sets you apart. Um, and that's what, how I compare basketball and in minor league baseball is those guys that do that. It's, it's a grind. It, uh, it wears on you after a while. And, you know, if you get two days off, three days off, it seems, seems like a month which is it's kind of a, a relaxing feeling but uh no it's definitely one of those where the when you're in the moment you probably don't realize it but stepping back and looking at it, it there's a lot of comparisons and and uh, i was pretty fortunate to be along for the rides what kind of adjustments did you make during your senior year when you started 23 or 24 games and led the team in field goal percentage and rebounding um, I would say in my off season going from my junior year to my senior year, coach Jake actually, uh, set me aside and said, Hey, uh, got a question and this is totally up to you. He goes, do you want to, do you want to start next year or do you want to come off the bench like you have been and have, you know, a chance of being six man of the year again. And then that, you know, three times in a row, that'd be kind of hard to hard to beat you know type thing but uh i looked at him i said hell yeah i want to start (laughs) i'm tired of coming off the bench he goes all right that's fine so you're gonna have to do uh you know put in a lot more work and uh and the i think a lot of the reasons with the whole uh increase in rebounding and and field goal percentages how they incorporated me in the offense or in the defense and stuff like that and maybe getting a little bit more playing time i I don't even know what I averaged for minutes or any of that stuff, but, um, you know, they ran a little bit more of the offense through me, um, which wasn't a lot because we had, we had good shooters and stuff like that. So I think it was just getting more involved in the actual play helped out quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I think you get a couple of lucky bounces here and there that come off the rim just right. So, um, yeah, I think it was coach Jay kind of, incorporating me a little bit more into the into the, the the plays whether that's going and setting a single high ball screen and putting their center on one of our guards so stuff like that yeah. so are you doing anything these days to stay connected to the game and northern iowa itself yeah i mean i still call call uh, coach jake up every once in a while and just kind of see how the team's doing how uh, how he's feeling about the team and I try to get up there two, three times a year to uh, 
talked to the coaches and stuff. Uh, talked to a lot of the uh, other staff that is still there from whenever I was there. Um, but just trying to get up there and, and enjoy the culture more. And they usually have like an alumni game that this is one of those that we don't play at. <laughs> you just show up and watch <laughs> one of the games. So uh, try to make it up there every year for that. And um, no, I just, you know, trying to watch as many games because they got the ESPN plus or whatever right. now, and they're on several of those um, games are on those on that. So try to watch that as much as I can. And I still talked a lot of the teammates and stuff like that um, during, during the game. Just like, well, what are they doing? Or yeah, <laughs> hopefully they can, you know, they look good. They can keep it, keep it rolling. So, but yeah, that's, that's what I try to do is get up there and I'll even call coach Jake talking about it. So, so thoughts about the Panthers this year, getting AJ green back and uh, you know, picked near the top of the league in most uh, prognosticators. Yeah. I mean, I think last year they had a lot of young guys and I think having that, I don't know if it's called a free year or whatever they want to call it, the COVID year, uh, got some of those guys some experience that they needed. And, uh, I, you know, the, I think preseason number three in the Valley, um, something like that. I, you know, it's, you know, getting AJ back is big. Um, I think before he got hurt last year, he was averaging 20 some points or whatever. Um, obviously he draws a lot of attention for the opposing defense. You got to keep an eye on him, but I think having more time, uh, playing with each other and coach Jake was saying that they, they've scrimmaged a lot more kind of a un, uh, unstructured time where they said, Hey, here's a ball. Just play, you know, get up and down. Um, just because they had AJ was gone and then they had, uh, uh Kimmins was gone, mm-hmm. uh, another guard. So right. getting those guys back, getting them incorporated and, and how everybody's playing and having some of the new guys that didn't get as much playing time last year, get them, in there and get them up to speed um but yeah it's it's big having aj back and uh you know it'll be interesting to see because you know everybody has a lot coming back so it'll be it's gonna be tough in the valley and i think i read coach jake was saying that this might be the year that you get more than more than just the one into the into the tournament you might get two or three teams just just the way it you know shakes out because drake they got i think they got a majority of their players back too so they're, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle this year in the Valley. Well, and it looks like going forward that, you know, that might be the case more often than not. I mean, with, with Belmont now, uh, you know, joining the NBC after, uh, this year in the Ohio Valley, I mean, it's just another team to, to add to the already good teams in the Valley. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, having, having some of those teams leave, it brings brings other I don't know if you want to call it you know fresh blood in there into a mix and and yeah it it uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds this year because you're always going to have that that one or two surprise teams that you know maybe they're picked like seventh or something like that and next thing you know they're fighting up there in the top three and um, so yeah it's always it's always a battle and it's always fun to watch the uh, the valley teams and see how everything shakes out and everybody knows it's it's one thing to do it in the regular season but it's another thing to do it in the tournament so it's uh it's fun it's a lot of a lot of energy out there and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good basketball and it's uh it's almost here again 
So to wrap this up, the question we ask all of our guests, uh, if we're going out to eat in Cedar Falls, where are you sending us and what are we ordering? Okay. So I, I was talking to my wife about this earlier and she's like, well, is it lunch? Is it supper? Is it morning or what? But uh, usually, yeah, usually what we do is uh, we'll go up to Peppers and they have a, you know, it's one of those, uh, like a sports bar type place. It's, it's uh, a lot of good food there. It's either Peppers, Mulligans, we'll, we'll eat at Beck's too. Um, there's a couple good places there. The Pump House is down on Main Street is another good place to to eat and uh no there's uh there's a lot of those places you can't go wrong and you know if you're gonna go eat at those places in cedar falls you're you're uh almost 100 percent sure you're gonna see a lot of uh purple and gold so <laughs> well lucas uh we appreciate your time today and uh hope everything goes well in the, in the coming days since you're uh, expecting a second child here and a new new uh venture in parenting as we talked about before we started recording Oh yeah, it's uh, we're just kind of playing it, you know, minute by minute right now. So we'll uh, hopefully here before too long, we'll uh, have another addition to the family. <laughs> All right, we appreciate it, Lucas. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that was our interview, and we caught up with Lucas Arrear, you know, earlier in the week, uh, TJ. I know for you, you know, big Missouri Valley guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're really looking forward to hearing a former Northern Iowa Panther, former guy in the Missouri Valley. Right. A lot of insight. Uh, what did you take away from uh, his interview? I, it sounds like he's still really connected to the program. Like talking about, you know, with his buddies, texting about what's going on during the games and then calling Coach Jake afterwards, you know, or just at different times. That, I mean, he's he graduated, I think, in 2011. And here he is 10 years later, still really connected to the program. Uh, I think I've been to that Mulligan's place. My one time when I went to Cedar Falls, I think, but who knows? It's been long enough for me. But I'll, I'll go to all, all those places that he mentioned. But he mentioned uh, his brother Calvin. His brother Calvin was a heck of an athlete too. I think he went to a local D two school here, and you know had a pretty solid career on the baseball side, if I remember right. So you know there was no shortage of athletic talent when it came to those two. And oh sure. Know, I like what he said about, hey, if I wanted to get minutes, I was going to have to do the stuff that it wasn't going to show up on the stat page. Yep. I wasn't the guy that was getting asked to score. Yep, dive, gonna, dive on the floor yep, and yep. block people out, do those all types of things. Then just having been around him before, you know, coached against him when he was in high school, that that's kind of the attitude he had then. Like he was a blue collar type guy. I think he's definitely one of those guys that was a real uh, a glue guy sure. for that Northern Iowa team, especially in that 2010 run. How about you? What types of things stood out to you? Uh, just mainly that that he's still invested in the you know the program mm-hmm. and you know me being a baseball coach you know here you know, I, I really got I was really enjoying the part where he's talking about you know he wanted to go to a school where he could do baseball and basketball and after the program basically I guess but got cut yeah uh, that he was still able to go out and get a minor league uh, or get drafted mm-hmm. you know have a minor league you know career there yeah. and it's tough you know especially like in high school, you, you see so many guys that it's not that they have the ability, you know, to play multiple sports. It's just that they, they only want to focus on one sport when they have the possibility of being able to play multiple mm-hmm. and you never know what you, you're able to do if, if you don't play, you know, multiple sports, right. You know, your favorite sport could be, you know, baseball, but it, heck, if you try football, you know, and, have a lot of success you might find that you like that more than the sport you loved 
going into that season. Right. You know, so the fact that he was a multi-sport athlete and, you know, even in college where he said, you know, it was overwhelming at times, mm-hmm. but, you know, he, he gave it a shot and, yeah. you know, it's, ended up working out. It's definitely a short window to try and do those things. Yeah. And kudos to him for trying it to make sure that, hey, you didn't leave anything on the table afterwards. Yep. You know, and I think sometimes in society we're kind of driven like, all right, you get done with college and it's time to get into that professional career, especially like, and I'm not talking from a sports perspective, I'm talking it's time to find that big boy, big girl job. Yep. And maybe we shouldn't have, you know, hey, go try some different things. And, and heck, he did it. He played, you know, minor league baseball, I think, I think it was three seasons, if I remember right. And he gave it a shot. At some point, someone said, yeah, this isn't going to work for you anymore. And now he's getting to, you know, raise his family. And those things are still there. It wasn't like, oh, that job, you know, doing whatever, being in marketing, whoever the case may be, it will still be there. Absolutely. But with that, TJ, we'll go ahead and get into the last part of the episode here. Got a couple crossover games this week, TJ. Yeah, three of them. Austin P travels to Southern Illinois on Friday. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. Southern Illinois... Like like Lucas referenced, all most of the schools in the <clears throat> across the country have sure. almost everybody coming back. They've ha- added a few guys, but you know, Austin Peay's not one of those that you know that they've got really. Uh, would we decide one guy that had any significant playing time last year for Austin P? Yeah, I mean, outside of Terry Taylor, who was all across the stat sheet, they also lost Jordan Adams and Reginald G. So they're down three starters from last year, and down their coach from last mm-hmm. year. So Nate James is going to come in and, you know, the fans down in Clarksville, uh, Tennessee, you know, not sure really what to expect. Uh, it's the last year for Austin P in the OVC. So I'm sure they're going to want to go out, you know, with a bang, right. you know, try and finish atop the OVC, but they're going to have to focus a lot of their attention on, uh, you know, their returning stars, which is Mike Peak and Carlos Paez, you know, both those averaged around double digits, but, uh, they do have a talented freshman, you know, coming in and Elijah Hutchins Everett. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, Southern Illinois has basically everybody back that was a significant contributor, including Marcus Damask will be back after being injured most of the season, all the uh, conference season last year. I think there it'll be, and for most coaches, I think this will be the thing, like how do you keep everybody happy with minutes? Yeah. Especially if you brought in a Juco transfer or a freshman that is just, pushing those other guys, how is that going to impact? And I think if you're not careful with it, it can impact team chemistry. Like sure. If you, if, if you don't have guys, I thought that was interesting what Lucas said too about, hey, let's let's get the grill out, let's barbecue, let's hang out, you know, and you you, you have to have kind of that sometimes on the, the guy's side. Oh, yeah. The, the players do that where it's not forced. And, you know, where, how are these coaches going to balance that? So uh, the other big one, I think one that you're probably looking forward to is SEMO goes to Missouri State to open up on Tuesday night. We talked a little bit about that before the interview. Uh, Missouri State, like I said, I think they're, to call them a dark horse favorite to to be number one in the league is not fair, but I don't think anyone's picking them to win the league either, but I think they could definitely be there. So it'll be a big test. SEMO's got, what, all five starters coming back as well? Yeah, they got all five starters. Uh, Chris Harris was named to, you know, the accolades at the preseason All-OVC at the start of the year lone guy for SEMO, but two of the wild cards there for SEMO, and this is going to be a good test because SEMO's schedule doesn't really have any bye games. It's a lot mm-hmm. of solid mid-majors that 
you know, Coach Brad Corn's going to be expecting them to go out and compete and really going to see what the program has at this point. You know, when you return all five starters, you know, with Chris Harris, the two guys that are also going to have a lot to say in this is Eric Reed Jr. The dude could dude was making threes all over the place last mm-hmm. year. I mean, his three-point percentage was unbelievable. But one of the main guys that I don't think he did as well as, you know, SEMO fans were hoping uh, – was Nana Kenton, you know, transfer from Nebraska. You know, he got a lot of experience in the Power Five conference mm-hmm. with the Big Ten. So I think this year, uh, if Simo's going to, you know, compete towards the top, that's going to be the the wild card there is Nana Kenton to, to show what he was able to do, you know, with Nebraska and why Nebraska wanted him to be a Cornhusker at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing with Missouri <laughs> State, well, I think it's a, a – right on that A.J. Green is a preseason <clears throat> favorite to be MVC Player of the Year, the Larry Bird winner. I don't know that anyone creates as much of a headache as Gage Prim does at Missouri State. Yeah. The guy is just so athletic and so big. It's just really – I wonder how you game plan for him because you don't, have, you don't have that size on your bench. Like, hey, we could put so-and-so in. Like, yeah, there's a reason he doesn't get a lot of minutes. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that's just next level. Like, how do you even replicate that in practice? How does you know somebody get ready to? Hey, I got to play against Prim this week. Like, <laughs> all right, well, good luck, and uh, we'll see <laughs> in forty minutes. Yeah. So, the last one I think of the crossover is that probably the most intriguing to me because it'll be a conference game for the Missouri Valley next year. Is on Saturday, Evansville travels to Belmont, and uh, you know, obviously Belmont always strong. Evansville still building their program up after you know kind of the headaches that they've had over the last two years, and Todd Licklider. You know, has, has done some really good things there with the Evansville program, has them headed in the correct direction. But overall, what are your thoughts about the Belmont-Evansville game? Well, I think it's going to come down to what Evansville is going to be able to do defensively because, mm-hmm. honestly, it's so tough for any team to be able to keep pace with Belmont's offense. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, Belmont alone, you know, they averaged over 81 points per game. Well, and no, it's nothing against Evansville, but – over 81 points per game, that's a completely different level than what Evansville's offense has been lately. So, you know, Belmont is, you know, they're one of the best mid-major schools this year. And, you know, with them leaving the OVC, you know, this year or after this year, you know, they're going to be a, a top near the top uh, at the end of this year. And they got a lot of seniors this year. And if Evansville is going to be able to keep pace with them, they're going to have to shut down uh, Nick Muzinski and uh, Grayson Murphy. Those are the two best players for Belmont. And I know I know it's a crossover game, but considering that Belmont is going to be in the Missouri Valley, you know, next year, I think Belmont's looking at this as, you know, kind of a, a wild card here to see, how, you know, how are we going to compare against, you know, Missouri Valley teams at the, for games next year. Right. It'll be – It'll be an interesting contrast in style. See who Evansville has that's going to uh, really step up. What was their identity going to be this year? I think that's something that you are really looking at. So uh, I'm excited. You know, season's here. We have some crossover games and you know some some big games as well. But with that, TJ, while while we're on the Belmont topic, the one game I really wanted to get into on the OVC side is Belmont at Ohio. You know, it's an OVC school going to you know. A max school. It's all. Mm-hmm. It's a road game for Belmont, but this is a game where I think you know Belmont should be favored to win. You know it. 
you haven't seen the uh, you haven't seen the spreads come out yet for for the games. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what Ohio did last year, um, they were seventeen and eight, nine and five in the conference. So they they did pretty well inside the MAC, and you know this year for the MAC, Ohio's picked to finish second. So. If Belmont's not picked to win the game, I think it's a game that Belmont can easily can easily win because it's hard for some of these mid-majors to keep pace with Belmont's offense, like we had just mentioned. And with all the experience Belmont has coming back, I think it's a game that uh, Belmont's able to start the season with a win at, you know, I think Ohio plays, what is it, in Athens? I don't remember. Athens, but... Nonetheless, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how well Belmont's offense is able to gel because if they're able to put together a streak of wins in non-conference play like I think they're going to be able to do, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if they are near you know the top 25 all season long. Yeah, and you are correct. Ohio University is in Athens, Ohio. So uh, just came across this factoid from the uh, Courier Press of Evansville. It says that 39 of 50 starters are returning in the MVC. 39 of 50? Yep. Wow. And all five for Drake, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, and Southern Illinois, Carbondale. So those four schools. Those four schools have 20 of them. Mm-hmm. Huh. So the other six combined for the next 19. So like and Coach Licklider says in this article here, like it usually would be an advantage for us, but it's negated. So that's from uh, Chad Lindskog from the Evansville Courier Press. Wow. I mean, I'm it, sure that's par for the course across the country. Too. Oh, I'm sure, especially at the COVID year that Lucas had mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, just going to be a lot of experience in the Missouri Valley this yep. year, which should make it an even better year for, mm-hmm. for you in the MVC. Yep, hope so. But with that, TJ, uh, do you got any final thoughts here before we, uh, you know, see college basketball tip off November 9th? I'm just ready to see that ball get tossed in the air and uh, get to see some games. Hopefully get to see some games in person this year and and really get to be, to be a part of it. Yep. Looking forward to it, TJ. Uh, but for that, that'll wrap up View the Valley Season 2, Episode 7. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in for the next episode, Season 2, Episode 8. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And again, a special thanks to Lucas O'Rear, former Northern Iowa Panther, for taking time to join the show this week. You can also you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.